Welcome back to the Working Audio Tools podcast with myself, Ed Thorne, and my co-host, Paul Third. You are joining us on our journey to becoming full-time audio mix engineers. And in this process and in this podcast, we are practicing our mixes and we are constructively analyzing and critiquing each other's mixes every few weeks or every other week interspersed with interviews with audio professionals from the industry. We've had Dan Worrell. That video has smashed it on YouTube. Thanks to everyone who's listened and subscribed off the back of that. We had MSM on last week and we have another guest coming up that I'm sure Paul will introduce later on. So this week we have another multi-track from the Produce Like a Pro set of multi-tracks and this is a track called Blame on the Whiskey by Robert John and the Wreck. It's a really tasty blues kind of rock song. I had fun mixing it, Paul. Do you have fun mixing it? Did you have any challenges? No, I thought it was a very, very, very well recorded uh, multi-track. I think what made it even easier was how sparse everything was because really it was just a case of like, Guitar left, guitar right, Leslie, bass, drums, lead vocal, couple of backing tracks, that's it. That's what, those are the mixes that you like. Those are the easy ones. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally agree with that. What I did find slightly tricky as a result of that is there's no real arrangement as such in terms of orchestration coming in and out to help, mm-hmm. ex- help expand and add weight to sections. How did you get around that? Because I, in hindsight, I actually don't think I did get around that. <laughs> I think it was a hard one because obviously, like, it's kind of, you're kind of meat and two veg, as a British way of saying it. It's like kind of just a bit of rock and roll. It's just like drums, bass, guitar. But I think for me, I did the old trick, you know, when the chorus kicks in, you use like um, adding a DB again against automate it. So it was a bit of that going on. And for me in the chorus, hopefully what you'll hear is I tried to get the chorus to kind of expand out. Now, how I did that was by utilizing the background vocals that come in in the chorus. And I added um, more reverb onto the lead uh, vocal in the chorus. And I added quite a lot of reverb to the backing vocals, added a little bit more brightness to the backing vocals and just kind of, Gave them a little bit more of extra width. I think I used stage one for that, I think. I can't remember. Um, but by the way, for anybody that's uh, watching this on YouTube, we will have kind of the odd screen grab coming in just so you can kind of see if we if we forget anything, <laughs> we could just slot it in, <laughs> which which makes it good for all you nosy buggers <laughs> that want to know all our, uh, our secrets. But um, yeah, that's kind of all I did, was just a, a simple kind of level up and um, more reverb and a little bit more delay in the choruses. That's kind of really all I did. Let's have a listen to my mix first, because I feel like this is a considerable step forward for me from the previous iteration of the podcast. I've updated my speakers since then, and I can hear stuff a lot better. So I think from a technical point of view, this is one of my best mixes, if not the best. And I dare say, I I feel confident this is one of my more professional sounding mixes. However, having not heard it for a couple of weeks, I have obviously heard it again today and the inevitable has happened. Oh, you're joking. It's not that I hate it. It's not happened, is it? It's not not that I hate it, but I can hear hear what needs needs changing in it. So this is Blame It on the Whiskey by Robert John and The Wreck, mixed by Ed Thorne, mastered by our good friend Marcel at Act Do Make.
Blame it on the whiskey Blame it on a bad week Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen Run and tell your mother Blame it on your brother Blame it on the only thing you've ever heard
Hi guys, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. This week's featured plugin is True Balance from Sonable. True Balance is a metering plugin that offers you the necessary information to take the right steps towards optimizing the spectral balance and mono compatibility of your mix. Sonable have analyzed thousands of songs from multiple different genres of music to give you an average spectral response curve of those styles of music. You can choose from acoustic, classical, country, electronic, funk, hip-hop, jazz, Latin, metal, pop, R&B, rock, a universal setting which is an average of everything, and even a podcast speech curve which I know Paul uses for this very podcast. So here in the main window you can see the frequency response of my track playing at the moment and you can see a narrow light green band and a thin darker green line which is the response curve of my track and as you see it mostly fits into the average of the rock genre with a little bit of a problem in the top end we'll come back to. If you don't want to reference your mix against a generic profile you can upload your own reference tracks. For example if you wanted to reference against other mixes on an album you're working on or tracks you've had mastered or reference tracks from the clients you can load up to eight reference tracks in this section here. Sonable will analyze the spectral balance of each track. And again, once you select it, you can get a average spectral balance curve and again, compare your track against it. Mine here is the green line and the reference track is the red line. If we want a more detailed resolution to the curve, we can go between smooth, medium, which I think is my favorite, and also detailed, which really enables you to hone in on exactly where the problem areas are. For example, three and a half kilohertz and five kilohertz here. That's likely my bass drum. We can quickly balance check our levels against these reference tracks by pressing balance check, and that gives us an indication of where the low end, the mid range, and the highs are in relation to our reference track. And if we want to hone the frequency range, we can by adjusting these bands like so. Down here we have a tool indicating the width of our frequency spectrum. So the lows are pretty narrow here, the mids are reasonably wide, and the top end is the widest part of my mix. And down at the bottom we have the phase coherence between the left and right signals. So in the mono there isn't really any width so there's no phase issues and the mid-range and the top end are fluctuating and we have an average here of about 0.7. The closer to one the better. We also have a mono compatibility checker here that is going to give us an idea of how well our mix will translate to mono sound sources. If we compare this against a different profile, for example, country, and you'll see there is a problem. Sonable has decided that country music has a lot more mid-range. So in comparison, I can see that my mix is lacking in the mid-range and it's similar story in the top end. I've overhyped it slightly. So this gives me the awareness of the mix to go back into the mix and focus on where I can pull in more mid-range and lower the top end in relation to this curve. True Balance from Sonable is available from the Sonable website, links for which are in the podcast show notes and the YouTube video description. Right, okay, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. There is uh, Mr. Ed Thorne's mix of Blame It On The Whiskey. And just to remind the audience, Ed, what is the new speakers that you are using? Just to remind everybody. Oh, well, this is kind of a podcast preview because I haven't right. announced this on my channel yet. I'm trying to do a series of videos oh. gearing up to the final big reveal like on a first date. Uh, I have the PSI A23s. Okay. And how much do they retail for? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Fucking hell. There's not anything away. Right. Right. Let's just get into it, right? And what I want to remind everybody, right, that when me and Ed do this, me and Ed do this um, in a very constructive way. So it's not about one mix being better than the other. It's just kind of trying to support each other. This podcast is all about me and Ed supporting each other and our mixing journey so like anything that i say about his mix comes from a very subjective place 
but a very supportive place. Um, so we might disagree, and I, I, I genuinely do. After think, after listening to your mix, I think we're going to um, kind of disagree on certain things, but only because our mixes are very, very different. And I think this is going to be a great episode for this, right? Which, from a listener's point of view, I think should be great because you're going to hear two very different approaches yeah. to mixing the same track. Don't forget, I mix hybrid with some 500 series analog gear on speakers, and Paul is predominantly in the box mixing on headphones, although his analog uh, lunchbox fills up by the week. <laughs> it's getting there, it's getting there. Right, okay, right. I'm going to just go straight off my phone because I did make some notes, the dreaded, the dreaded Paul Third notes. In terms of the start of the mix, is there like a little bit of widening going on? Like, I don't know, is it like a, bit, a slight bit of chorusing going on? There is a reverb on the guitar panned the other way. What about the vocal? No, dead down the middle. Right, so there's, there's no processing on that intro vocal. Well, there's there's lots of, like, I mean, there's levels of compression, EQ. No, but I'm on a bit like, but is there, there any special stuff, any, like, chorusing? No. Or, no, okay. No. Right, that's interesting because... There seems to me that there's an element of like width coming from somewhere. Is that, have you got like a like a really short reverb or something there? There's something. Uh, I, I know what you're referring to. Yes, there is a short reverb. There is also an analog reverb that's right. going from mono to stereo. But I think in this one, I tried your stereo parallel compression technique. Right, okay. Where one compressor goes hard left and another compressor... Mm goes hard right now they're level matched so that should be even but yeah that's where the width of the vocals is coming from right okay i didn't really take that approach my vocals quite mono however what i will say is that the vocal is very up front so it's got the right balance like the for me you've got the guitar nice and kind of up front but the vocal still cuts through so i thought the intro was fine i think overall the mix is but again because of the way i've mixed it it feels a little bit on the dark side it feels like it's a little bit. Oh, really? Yeah, it feels like it's a little bit of a dark mix, and I think the reason that that is is because you have the guitars way less in the mix than than I did. My mine's my mix is like very energetic, and it's using the guitars as like the main kind of driving force. Where it kind of sounds like to me that you kind of wanted the, like the the Leslie and the uh, the guitar to kind of have the same kind of level, rough kind of level balance. Is that right, or am I kind of shooting off a little bit i wanted everything to have its place right, okay. but then the vocals to be quite prominent right okay and and you did do that however i do think maybe in the chorus i think that the vocals are a little bit loud for my taste the thing the thing is with the chorus is that it's interesting because you spoke about it at the start is that the chorus doesn't seem to have any lift i just it just like it goes into the chorus and I just, it doesn't really feel like it's going into a chorus. What did you do to the chorus? What did you do to the chorus to try and kind of give it a little bit of lift? What did you do? Uh, I believe there's a parallel drum bus uh, coming in a bit more. I mean, there's one there anyway, mm -hmm. but I think it comes up 10 dB in the background, but because it's so in the background, it's more of a presence lift kind of to give it, because I played around with the Universal Audio Culture Vulture on this one, right, okay. on the parallel, which gives the drums some grit. But it's, it's more about all the backing vocals being in. Now, I played around with stage one on this. And what I've realized with stage one is if you use the stereo imaging thing, if you have something panned left, it comes out both sides. Yeah, you've got or to be careful. at least it does on, in Logic. You've got to be very careful. So, yeah, you've got to be careful with that. Now, th there is a time for that. But this track, I tried it and I had these huge vocals 
really expansive. I had to turn it off for the verses, and I think I just scrapped it. I didn't bother automating it right, okay. on and off. In hindsight, what I w- would have liked to have done is automated it in for the choruses and out for the verses because I had carefully panned backing vocals and the verses, and then they were coming out of both sides, so it negated the panning. Uh, so that's something I learned doing this mix. Uh, what else comes in? I think there's a longer reverb on the vocals, but I've left the vocals quite dry mm-hmm. in general until the breakdown when the reverb's quite obvious, and that's where the analog reverb comes in quite nicely. Right. I now, I do have... See on my system, like see on my new Hyphaman um, HE, like 1000 decis, like the very end of the song, where it's like, it's like, all you do is lie. And it's like he just kind of comes in sporadically at the very end of the song. Is that what you mean? No, I mean the vocal breakdown uh, All right, okay. before right, the last okay. two choruses. Okay, well, that, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll mention this end bit. What did you do to the end bit? Because the vocals are just completely buried. But uh, like when I'm listening to it, it's like the vocals just disappear. It just sounds like, I don't know, they just disappear. Yeah, so so I, I, I put a telephone effect on the lead vocal and panned it to the right. I played with a couple of delays and I don't think they've come out particularly well, but there's a long reverb on those because I wanted to make space for the guitar solo, which is on the left. Right. So I didn't want the vocals down the middle because they clashed. Right. So I got them out of the way, made made kind of a an effect out of them rather than a feature because the key feature in that part for me was the guitar solo. I think the problem with me is that see, listening to it, it doesn't feel like an effect. It feels almost like there's been a... I almost thought it was a mistake. Like you'd done something with, yeah, with, right, okay. with width or something because it just disappears. And, and it's like, hopefully, right, when we listen to my mic, you'll hear kind of what I did. And I think it'll maybe make a little bit more sense to you why I'm kind of perceiving this the way that I'm perceiving it. Um, okay, so I really, right. I, like, I really didn't like it. I just kind of felt that you kind of lose everything. But you'll kind of I'll make more sense when you listen to mind where, where, okay. where my head's coming from. Um, there is a... Interesting. There's a great deep kick. The, the, the kick is very, very deep. However, I do think it's maybe a dB or two too loud. I mean, do you, do you still on reflection feel that the, the kick is the right level to you? or Because I don't know what your reflection so, was. So, yeah, I had this track fully all mixed and I was happy to send it off and then I thought, I want more from the drums. Right. So I went down the rabbit hole of finding some samples. Right. And I went through some of Joe Carell's samples, and I think as I think as soon as I got this back from mastering, a couple of weeks back, uh, I thought, okay, slightly heavy-handed on the kick. Mm. It's a bit too heavy. It's a bit too weighty. Yeah, it's, it's nice. It sounds nice. I just think it's just a maybe a, a bit a bit on the loud side. Just for that's just my opinion. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't. It's weird because I don't think it's a loudness thing. Mm-hmm. It's just it, there's a heavy presence to yeah. it. If that makes no, any sense. Make sense for me, I feel like there's a slight difference because it's there's there's various stages of clipping now on on the kick and the shells bus, so it's it's quite quite prominent. But compared to the originals, yeah, I, I can see why you'd think it was too loud because the the original kick drum was very woolly. There's a very fluffy forty seven mic on mm. it. There's a AKG D one twelve, which is that's the worst mic, worst kick mic ever made. So I hated those two mics, so I, I, I couldn't get a sound. Now, I, I battled with this between kind of honouring the recording, which was... Which is what I did. Almost kind <laughs> of an old school bluesy yeah. kind of recording, and also thinking, well, hang on, it's got quite modern sounding guitars, so I kind of want to match the drums. It seemed to me like they were slightly disjointed. Right, okay. So I thought, well, I'll match the drums to the more modern sound. 
I've been listening to loads of country music, you know, Chris Stapleton and loads of loads of playlists on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's uh, country music is sample city to the point yeah, where it definitely. goes disgustingly too far for me uh, a lot of the time. So I, I basically played played victim to that. Right, <laughs> that's my excuse. Now, in regards to um, I could reason, it's not an excuse. No, I could I could hear that you had samples, and obviously because <laughs> I've kept it, you know, very very to the original. I've tried to kind of honour the recordings. Um, I have added in my own samples, but very very like just tucked in, just to give them a okay. make some sim- still. So it yeah. still sounds like the original kit, just sounds a little bit better. In regards to the guitars, yeah, the guitars are not in the mix for me, which kind of it makes the. I kind of feel that the mix lacks excitement without having the guitars as prom, like not having them as prominent. Um, great snare sound. I actually feel like you probably got a better snare sound than me. The snare was the thing that I personally struggled with the most because the way that I had my kick was the way that it was in the recording. It was very, you're right, it's wooly. I kind of leaned into it because I was like, well, that must be the sim that they're going for. So I kind of like had a very kind of wooly, kind of pillowy kind of kick. Um, but I still added a little bit of click just to kind of make it a little bit more prominent. Um, but again, great snare sound. Um, from, in my opinion, the guitar solo and actually both guitar solos at, like in the middle and at the end, they need some like effects on there. It, it, they're just way too dry. For me, like I'm listening to it going, oh man, this good. But again, it's because I'm a guitarist. And like, whatever every guitarist knows that like, you're going to lather it in, you know, flangers and you'll hear it. <laughs> it's funny because in contrast, you'll hear my mix and you'll be like, holy crap, like, what did you do with that guitar solo? Like, you fucking, you've completely like lathered it and shit. And I did. And I duplicated it and like, like you'll, you'll kind of hear things that I did. Um, so okay, I, I'm quite excited yeah, to hear that. So, uh, for me, I think the guitar solo needs a bit of effects, needs a bit of delay, it needs summon. It just, it's just too dry for me, and that's just my opinion. So it's, it's one of those, it's one of those decisions with with tracks like this where you kind of think, okay, the band can clearly play mm-hmm, like yeah. they're great musicians, so surely they've got their sounds down. So I was kind of, as you were honouring the drums, I was honouring the guitar right. and the guitar sound and the performance that they 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 went with so yeah I, I, it, this 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 track's probably a great example of a drummer mixing it versus a guitar 100 percent <laughs> oh my god right good vocal sound now again I, I will say as much as it's maybe a bit too loud in the choruses for my taste i do think this is probably the best vocal sound that you've got i thought it was very very well balanced there's no harshness in that vocal it's very smooth it do, and and you, you've completely lost all of the um, kind of muddiness that I think you used to have in a lot of your lead vocals. It sounds present, it sounds clear, and yeah, I would say hopefully, I think that's maybe the speakers um, that's maybe done that to you because the vocals are so prominent. And obviously, obviously you had a lot of mud and a kind of a bit of boominess coming from your, your Neumanns in your room. I do think that was possibly having an effect on your vocals, I don't know, or maybe it was the analog gear you were using, but whatever you've done, you fixed it. So what have you done to change up your vocal processing that makes me listen to this now and go, yeah, that's a great sounding vocal. I don't, I don't see any any issues with it whatsoever. Um, I would love to blame some gear, and I would love to thank <laughs> my new speakers, but I've just just done a better job. Right, okay. To be honest, I mean, I I have sold my warm audio compressors. And that vocal is going through a Stam SA3A5, which is actually a really good compressor. I've learned, I've 
practiced a lot of the Jason Joshua techniques he taught us at the masterclass and Spectre, as we discussed in the first episode back, for me was a big thing in terms of getting that forward sound without sounding harsh. You know, a couple of, there's a multi-band compressor on there, the McDSP 404, I think it is, which is great. And again, using Jason's technique of matching the compression between the two mid-bands. I mean, that's it really. But yeah, yeah, definitely scooping more out. I think his voice lent itself to being high past. I think I had it high past it. I want to say 200. Yeah, I had it pretty high as well, yeah. And it, it just didn't need too much below that. Right, and that is all the notes that I have. I think it's probably the best time to listen to my mix so we could... Je- I know what Marcel, our mastering engineer, taught, told the two of us that this was going to be interesting because he was like, they're two both great mixes, but you have taken two very, very different approaches. Like These are two very, very different sounding mixes. So, yeah, let's just get into it. This is my mix of Blame It On The Whiskey. Blame it on the whiskey Blame it on a bad week Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen Run and tell your mother Blame it on your brother Blame it on the only thing you've ever heard Tell it in a child tale Why you was a raisin up here Falling like the hardest stone that ever fell Dream. No one didn't mean a damn thing. 
you don't have an in-house mastering engineer like we're fortunate enough to have with Marcel at Actu Make with the working audio tools, DistroKid have you covered. For just $99 a year, you can buy unlimited mastering for all of your tracks in tandem with unlimited releases via DistroKid. Mixair from DistroKid uses AI technology to measure the EQ and the dynamics of your track and then present you with numerous options to tweak and customize your master. You can flip between the original and the generic mastered option. Blame it on the whiskey. Blame it on the bad weed. So instantly we can hear that's making the track louder and it's also slightly flattening the EQ, bringing in a little bit more of the mid-range and of course the top end. We can adjust the intensity, which is how much compression and limiting is being applied to the track. Blame it on the only thing you've ever seen Run and tell your mother Blame it on your brother I think somewhere in the middle works for this track. And the EQ options are self-explanatory. We can make the track effectively duller or brighter. Download your mastered track and release it as easily as you do all of your other unlimited uploads. Get 30% off your DistroKid subscription using the Working Audio Tools VIP link below. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Paul Ferd's mix of Blame on the Whiskey by Robert John and The Wreck, the multi-tracks of which uh, can be found in the Produce Like a Pro Academy. So both our mixes have been mastered by our in-house mastering engineer, Marcel at Actu Make. There's a link to him and his website in the description on the, on the YouTube video and in the podcast show notes as well. He is a very good mastering engineer, and I think he's, um, he's done us both a good job here. Mm-hmm. So... Paul's mix was live from Wembley Arena. <laughs> um, lost, lost. Yeah, okay. Very different approaches. Yeah. But I actually really enjoyed how different we've mixed this. As always, I think you've got an impeccable vocal sound. <laughs> Thank you. I, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I thought I had a, I, I had a good vocal sound. That's my best vocal sound. And yours was like, ah, oh, right, okay. 
So may, maybe there is something to mixing to pink noises. What is it that you like compared to mine's compared to yours, though? What is it? It just seems smooth and even, just right. I can't put my finger on it any more than that. There's just something intangibly better about it. <laughs> Credit where it's due there. <laughs> now, I went through this and he's quite heavy on the vocal breaths. Mm -hmm. He's done a bit of a Matt Bellamy from Muse on this. So I de-breathed everything throughout the whole track, but I noticed you've left breaths in. Have you used something like Waves Deep Breath that's just taken them down a few decibels no, I, before compression? I just kept it like natural. Like I just, for me, it was just like, right, this is kind of like, you know, like a, a kind of a rock song and I'm just like, let's just leave it open, bare. That's why I didn't add too many drum samples and, you know, I just kind of, I just kind of treated it like it was a live performance. Yeah, I think we both had the same thought with the Misty Gonzalez track that we did in the previous iteration. It sounds like a live gig to me rather than a processed studio recording, if that makes sense. Now, part of this is, is the reverb, particularly in the chorus. I think it's absolutely swimming mm -hmm. in reverb, certainly in contrast to my dry approach. So maybe there's a middle ground to be found for both of us in the middle there. The Hammond width in the beginning was really good. Now, I chose to take my Hammond to the right, to the opposite of, of the guitar. How did you get the width on your Hammond? I used the mono, Leslie, and uh, I used um, stage one and used the mono spread. So what, that, so what I did was I had tar, the electric guitar left and right, and then I had the mono Leslie, obviously down the middle. Then I just kind of rode uh, stage one, the mono spread in stage one till I kind of felt that I had the Leslie sitting at the right spot. I think that's what I did. Or either I used the mono and the stereo, used more of the mono, mono and maybe had the stereo not as, just brought up enough, just so it kind of sat back. A manipulation of the mono and stereo, I'm definitely sure I used. Because I think I did the opposite. I think I had the mono in mono untouched, but then the stereo one, I definitely used stage one and had it right. blasting wide because I didn't pan the guitars as wide did you pan these all the way far left and right the guitars yeah like full left and right yeah and i'm struggling to remember why i didn't do that other than i didn't i wanted the intimacy at the beginning mm -hmm. and then maybe yeah but i actually didn't bother automating these wider i can't remember maybe i did so there's a slap on the snare drum that i found slightly distracting in the chorus right okay is there a different reverb in the chorus yeah, so what i've done is i've got like the the split eq like transient thing that i do where i like I find the transients and I do split EQ just to bring up the transients and then I clip them. Um, there was now I struggled and and know what I'll admit this was my own fucking this was my own laziness. I just couldn't be bothered like finding like a sample because in my head I was like I should just go to Joe's sample pack and use his you know how he's got like the stereo big wide kind of snare options. I was thinking of just yeah his Atmos ready mm -hmm. sample pack. I was thinking of doing that for the chorus. And then I don't know, I was just like, I was, in my head, I was I was taking too long on the snare. And for me, the, it's not the best snare in the world to work with when you're not, <laughs> like, completely changing, like, the drum sound and trying to kind of keep it natural. So I kind of felt that it was just a bit too dry in the chorus because I wanted that bigness. And that's why I added in the, so much reverb to kind of just do that, just so it kind of brings it out. But I kind of felt that, the contrast was that the snare was just a little bit too dry. So I tried to add in a different verb. I added a different verb and added it to the... I want to say that it was on the transient snare 
track and I added a verb onto that and just kind of added a little bit more verb to it just so it kind of tied in with like the that I call it that what I tried to get I tried to do that in the chorus for those people listening, just, Paul is gestic- <laughs> gesticulating something being bigger. Easy, um, easy. The joys of listening and uh, being able to view. <laughs> so interestingly enough, I wanted more guitar right, in the guitar okay. solo. It almost felt as a similar level to the organ. Mm-hmm. Now, that was, that was hard for me because I've kind of got this thing as a guitarist where in my head I was struggling with the, the guitar solo level. Originally, I thought I heard it too loud which is maybe what you would have preferred. And I think that a part of me was just like going back and forth and I was like, is it too loud? Is it not too loud? Is it too loud? Is it not too loud? On reflection, mm. listen, listening there, because I've not listened to it in a wee while, I would say, yeah, I was on reflection, I kind of had the same thought where, or maybe that's the, the mastering. Again, you know, I, like, I'm not limiting like that hard anymore. Like I'm just doing the Jason Joshua thing and using Smart Limit just to take down the peaks. That's why you should always double check your mix with the limiter at say like minus eight and a half, minus eight luffs. Because I'll guarantee you if I would have then brought the gain up in uh, smart limit. Now I use the constant gain in smart limit, which is handy for this. I just genuinely would have like rolled the, the gain up and then I would have listened to the solo with it being limited. And then probably I'll guarantee you I probably would have raised the guitar solo up. So in hindsight, I, I should have done that. And I'll guarantee you I probably would have got a better guitar solo level if I would have done that because obviously that's probably the limiter's probably squashing it down a little bit yeah I'd probably agree with you on that one I could have probably brought up the guitar solo a little bit a little bit more I'll have to have another listen but the f- the flanges and the delays that you were talking about weren't massively obvious but maybe that's as a result of them not being so high in the mix as I was expecting I, I was expecting this to be like <laughs> I don't know some kind of Noel Gallagher solo uh, I tried to keep it I tried to keep it down I mean originally you know again I was I was quite loud and you could hear the effect but again I had to be careful that it was just enough to give it a little bit of dimension that's what I call it because it, uh, okay, cause at the end right. of the day see if I would have went daft with it it would have kind of sounded a little bit odd and a little bit random and I didn't want it to sound odd and random I still wanted the guitar to sound like the guitar I just wanted it to have a little bit of movement in it so I had a little bit of movement, a little bit of flanging, a little bit of um, echoplex delay just to kind of spread out a little bit. And it was difficult because guitar left, guitar right. And the left guitar was the one that ended up being having the guitar solo on it. They didn't record the yeah. separate guitar solo, which would have yeah. been way, way, way much of a better decision, in my opinion. So I wasn't happy with having the guitar solo on the left. I wanted it to be more prominent. So I duplicated it. And I just brought it in for the guitar solo parts. I had the duplicate down the middle, and I think I set the delays and the reverbs to the right. So it's like left, middle, right. Right, the vocal breakdown. I was confused by this. Again, maybe because I've been listening to so much country, it's quite a country thing just to let the vocals ring out. And when there's such well-performed harmonies, I just thought big reverb spacious let them sing i wasn't a fan of the effects if i'm honest right okay um what was your decision process behind those now, just out of the interest? reason that what i did was i actually brought down the effects like like i automated all the effects down when you th- well, what's a breakdown right you're you're having a breakdown from a from a fucking guitar solo right it's it's banging it's smashing i wanted to do that so it's up here 
I wanted to do that. Paul is gesticulating, shrinking now. <laughs> I, so <laughs> I won't tell you what he's gesticulating so now for those listening. So it's, and not uh, so it's doing that in the chorus, uh, in the guitar solo. Basically, what I wanted to do is I wanted to take it from here down, like to here in the in the breakdown, so then I could then lift it again in the chorus. So I've actually got I actually uh, okay. so I actually took down the effects. There's less reverb. It's actually um, when I listened to it, it's, the breakdown is quite dry. Um, I've I've got less effects on it, and then. I was then able to then lift it again in the chorus. So I had that level oh, no, of no, dimension. It, it, it's dry. It's definitely drier, yeah, yeah, but yeah. in terms of like so some distortions or saturations nope, going on. None of that. None of that whatsoever. It's actually just basically the vocal recordings as they were with just a, li- just a little bit of reverb and delay. And then in the chorus, I bring the full shebang in. So it's, it's, it's quite dry. It's, it, but it, so- sounded, it sounded a lot dirtier than mine, which sounded a lot cleaner in comparison i don't know I, I don't know what that could be but um no there wasn't much on it but the element of going for the c- contrasting contrastral contrasting difference uh, I, okay that makes sense i understand mm-hmm. one thing that i've learned having gone from uh the neumanns to these psi speakers mm-hmm. is just how the neumanns do not replicate or represent harmonics and saturation and distortion and i suspected this here's a little story for everyone I've got the Wes Audio Raya uh, 500 uh, series compressor. Now, I don't use it for the compression, really, rarely use it, but I run the guitars through it because the tubes, there's a big fat tube in it. It sounds great. And there's a medium and a high THD circuit, and the medium is 1% and the high is 2.5%. Now, on the Neumanns, I couldn't hear the medium, and the 2.5% was, yeah, it's, it's doing something, but not much. On the PSIs, the 1% is like, whoa, okay, I can hear what that's, two, and 2.5 is like, oh, okay, that, that's gotta be, I've got to be careful where I use that. That's pretty, pretty full on, got to use that for guitar-centric tracks. Now, what my point is, on your guitars, I'm hearing so much saturation and harmonics. Have you added stuff on there? I'm telling you. You've not added no, anything? no. Honestly, when I say like my mixing approach is kind of dumbed down, it's 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 very very easy. All I've got on that is um, a bit of soothe and some EQ. I'm not adding any saturation, nothing. Okay, it's just the recordings away the world with EQ. That's it. Maybe I've over soothed, and I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like oh, m- m- maybe it was yours more were more prominent, and that's why I can hear. Yeah, the that's why it is because like, at the more. end of the day, if I listen to your mix, it's not that the guitars are less saturated is that the, the guitars aren't in the mix enough for me if we compare yours and mine then mm. obviously it's okay. an overdriven guitar so the louder that you make that guitar then obviously it's going to sound more saturated and overdriven because it's louder and you're hearing more of the details of that guitar so, you're, so theoretically you're hearing more of that kind of saturation but if you would have just brought the guitars up then it would have just sounded but well how much soothe did you use but I would say it is the level genuinely of the guitars, and yeah, I'd, 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 I really err on the side of caution with Soothe, and also I wasn't going to use Soothe and then stick on a load of THD. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have made sense. Um, yeah, it, it must just be a level thing, but it stuck out to me, and then that just made me think how much more of that stuff I can hear on the PSIs. One more thing. Now this is a drummer thing, and I was just I was waiting for you to not spot this, which you didn't do with the toms. The toms were gated at source. And if you check the overheads on the build-ups, he's starting on beat one and going one and two, 
and three and four and on the toms building them up but the gate is clipping the first three off right okay every single time and i spotted this and me being an ocd drummer i was like no <laughs> we can't have that because i hate it when sound engineers overgate my toms live i'm playing them quietly for a reason if it's resonating your mic technique's crap and you've gain structuring's wrong and you can just eq out the low end stuff that you don't need i went in and replaced and i took the first right. tom hit and then i replaced it exactly we lined it up exactly in relation to where the others were with the overheads and then changed the gain so it was, it was a more natural build-up because if you listen you've kind of got uh doom 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 if that makes sense i quite liked that though <laughs> if you're honest i thought i kind of made it kind of brought it up a little bit more so yeah uh, yeah okay that's a, again a guitarist versus a, a drummerism you did get a good tom sound though um I'll, I'll give you that so all right so very contrasting mixes yeah. now what marcel said was that if you guys had met in the middle yeah, you'd have a fucking great mix <laughs> <laughs> and i'm again as as is often the, the theme in this podcast i'm inclined i'm inclined to agree because there are things in your mix that i i did like that i thought oh, wish i'd had that in mind and i think that what's interesting is that there's this kind of this contrast between when to kind of replace drums and when not to because i think like i went for that live sound like i tried to be respectful to the recording and i tried to treat it almost as if it was the client at the end of the day and like i tried to kind of give them the sound that they gave to me that's why i didn't go daft i didn't like go okay the guitar solo i tried to do a little bit kind of effect stuff with it but you know i was i, I was very unnatural like with with this mix i, I kind of tried to treat it as if again really really well recorded and i was like right just kind of eq compression um a bit of verb in certain things again you know my transient technique on kicking snare and a bit of clipping and trying to make those drums just kind of a little bit more punchy and trying to add in a little bit more depth by kind of bringing the drums a little bit back and make it, giving it a little bit of a live feel. But again, you know, many people will listen to, you know, your mix and go, yeah, but like the drums sound more modern. I suppose it is a country song, but I didn't really see it as country. It was one of those where I was kind of swaying between country and rock. And it was like, it felt a little bit more on the rock side than the country side for me. So I think I leaned more to that kind of live element but you're absolutely right like uh, there's this song that that, that that comes out and it annoys me because i can just like the snare is just so audible and it's it was like one of the biggest country songs of this year the snare's very doom 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 and it's a sample and you could tell it's just a sample all the way through then when like i was listening to a country radio station today when i was driving to work and I was like, wow, a lot of the country stuff is just super sampled. And I suppose, you know, in terms of if you're doing a country record. Yeah, the mod modern country stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I'm so yeah. in a sense, you, in a sense, you you probably did make the right call there. Probably, like, if I maybe would have sent that to the label, they maybe would have sat back and went, hmm, this isn't really genre-specific. And I'm, But in my head, I'd be going, but you recorded with fucking U U47s, mate. Like, like I, I worked with what you gave me, and that I went with. But I suppose if we, if you had the rough, then again we wouldn't know. And that's another point. There was no samples with it. That's why in my head I was like, keep it natural, because in my head, if it was like, if they wanted to have that kind of sampled country sound, surely they would probably have their own samples in. 
I don't know. Maybe that I don't, I'm not. I don't mix country records, so I couldn't say. If yeah, they would. I went down that route to begin with and tried honouring the track entirely in terms of not really adding too much to the lead guitar solo and the drums. And then I just thought I was thinking of like Joe Bonamassa and um, other bluesy kind of artists, and and thinking, well, the vocals and the guitars and the Hammonds have they've, they've got quite a modern sound, but the drums have an old school sound. Mm. So for me, it was the drums that didn't match. Yeah. So I reluctantly use samples. I try every mix I do, I do as get as far as I can without them. And then sadly, you know, like on my own stuff, every track has a at least a snare sample. Some have a kick sample. One even has a tom sample. <laughs> it's just it's just what it needs. But going back to the modern country stuff now, they seem to be prescribing to the school of Nickelback where the samples. There's a dozen layers of samples, oh, yeah. so you know, heavy. that just cover every yeah. frequency spectrum and, and, are, and are literally as far, 100% left and 100% right, all the way in between through the center as well. And then obviously, I mean, I'd love to hear some nickel back in Atmos because <laughs> snare's going to be in all 12 speakers. It's, it's huge, but it's, it, it, it is what it is. I, I, quite, I quite like it. So that was, I think I overdid it with the samples, though. I, in hindsight, I wouldn't. I'd blend them back a bit. And there were one or two Tom hits that sounded a bit weak in comparison to the kick and snare, I think. I'm quite happy with my mix. I would maybe add some more effects, but overall I'd say it's, it's on the safe side. You did have a good energy in your guitars, as you said. I'll give you that. And, and a nice lift. I actually, for some reason, I can't remember now, didn't bother with any master bus one decibel gain adjustments for the choruses but um yeah i think that made sense to do that i do think one thing that probably is important to mention is that like for anybody listening to this and that may think you know like oh paul got a little bit more excitement you know like as i said i all i did was just make the guitars more prominent in the mix and i do think that's something that you know i learn a lot from ed from drums because i do think he always he's a drummer and i and i do think in this instance i would probably say and my my advice to you ed would probably be maybe try and use something like mix monolith or something like that just to kind of give you an idea of like the level of where a lot of the guitars could be because as a guitarist you know like that is where the excitement comes from in so so many songs because the leslie was very you know mellow it kind of was like well if you listened to it in solo it wasn't but in the context of the mix it was quite in the back. It had its moments, yeah. though, and I felt like I gave it its moments to stand out. Mm. But I do think that that's... That, honestly, I'll guarantee you, if you were just to bring the guitars up more in level in that mix, the mix would all of a sudden sound more exciting. And probably it would mix mm. really well with the drums. Yeah. And see, sometimes that is all it is. It's just level. And I think that that's, some, yeah, yeah. And that's something that I had to learn because I was a guitarist. I used to think, oh, I'm really worried because I can have a guitarist and the guitar's going to be too loud. But when you listen to CLA mixes and you listen to like all the pop punk stuff and you listen to a lot of rock records, the guitars are fucking the drums are loud, but the guitars are always like like super there in the mix because they're really important for that energy. So yeah, I think that's again sometimes all you need is just level. Yeah. You don't need fancy no, tricks. Right. You just need level. So yeah, right, there we'll have it. That is this week. Um, next week we have Matty Harris. I'm very excited to have Matty on. He's another fellow YouTuber. Um, he's an LA mixer and again it'll be very interesting to talk about the LA scene and you know what it's like for him working mm. full time you know as an LA mixer in a very very competitive um, place it's like crazy in LA there's tons and tons of studios so I'm excited to have him on and then next week we'll be kind of back to doing our mixes 
Um, Ed, what is the mix we're doing again? You, t- you told me today. I've not even started it, but you told me what it's going to be. It's Wasting Away by Alex Kalis. Right. Again, out of the Produce Like a Pro Academy of Multitracks. Right, well, hopefully... <laughs> again, thank you to DistroKid for, again, sponsoring every episode uh, of the podcast. Again, we do really appreciate it. It helps us to kind of have the time to keep this thing and the thing going. So if you have any kind of suggestions or, again, any feedback on the mixes, Please be respectful. Don't be arseholes. Don't be douches. Don't be dicks. Right? Just don't, because you'll just get hidden. There'll be one, Paul. There'll always Come be on. one, right? But again, be respectful. Again, we're all trying to support each other. We understand that we are not at the Spike Stent Serbin Jason level. We understand that. But, you know, we've got our own way of mixing. We've got our own approach. And again, it's all about being respectful and kind to one another, because it, that you need that support and when you're kind of in your journey. So... I think that'd be a great place to leave off. Don't be a dick, or um, yes, you'll get punted. Right, Ed, is there anything you want to say this week? Would you, would you like to end the podcast with anything, with anything in particular, or should we just wrap this up? We need artists yeah. to be featured on the podcast. So at the moment, we're mixing using Produce Like a Pro Academy multi-tracks, and there's a few left to do. But if you are an artist listening to this and you want Paul and I to mix one of your tracks, please feel free to get in touch with us. The way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at Working Audio Tools. Send us a DM there with a link to a, sound, a, a, a link to one of your tracks. We can speak on there. We'll have a listen. And if we feel like it's a track that we can get good value out of, and I don't necessarily mean in terms of that will make us look good for our mixed portfolios. <laughs> if there's things in the mix we can talk about and can make good content to try and you know practice ourselves and help you guys on your journeys, then that's what we'll be looking for. So get in touch on Instagram at Working Audio Tools. Drop us a DM and we will try and feature some of your own songs. It's been emotional. Thanks for listening.